This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3505 for Friday the 7th of January 2022. Today's show is entitled, A DX with Hotel Bravo 9 Hotel November Tango and is part of the series HAM Radio. It is hosted by Binny and is about 48 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Ken, PA7KEN and Binny HB9HNT talk about getting your HAM ticket in Switzerland. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today we are going to do one in the ham radio series. No, we're not talking about bacon. We're talking about amateur radio. Amateur, hams, dramatic actors, hams. See how funny that is? Radio as in it's about moving on the airwaves, unlike Hacker Public Radio, which is more about moving ones and zeros via an RSS feed. But I digress. In this series, I want to interview various different people around the world in various different regions about getting their exams. What's an exam, you ask? Well, in order to be able to transmit, not receive, in most countries, local jurisdiction rules apply, in order to be able to transmit, you need a license from your local government, whoever that happens to be. And in order to do that, you need to prove a level of competency and you need to pass an exam. Now, the exam varies from country to country. And the idea of this series is we will talk to people who ideally have recently done the exam and we'll talk to them about the requirements uh, of passing that exam. And joining me this evening live from Switzerland is our good friend, Benny. Benny, how are you doing? Hi, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. But I think I think for today we should introduce me as um, Hotel Bravo Nine Hotel November Tango, right? Because that's my call sign I got a month ago. I just passed the exam at the beginning of October and got my fresh call sign, like on the twenty eighth of October, I think. So now you, your what's your call sign again? Give it to me again. Hotel Bravo 9, Hotel November Tango. Now, somebody listening to that outside of here might not be able to, might be able to derive some information about the call sites because they're supposed to be unique globally. And in order to do that, the first part of the call sign is typically allocated to a particular region. So is that the HB part? Well, yeah, in this case, basically the HB HB nine is the country part, but it's it's only HB which uh, relates to Switzerland, and the nine relates to the level of of the exam I took. So we have we have two different types of ca- of call signs, which is HB three, which is the easier entry level exam, and HB nine, which is the the sept exam i'll let you explain what what sept is and and we also there well this is not not strictly correct because there is also hb0 and hb0 is Liechtenstein, so that's not switzerland so let's cover some of the stuff there for example uh my call sign is uh p pop alpha 7 k kilo echo november pop uh PA is the French for Pabé, 
which is lowlands, which describes the Netherlands. And the seven is the current block that they're allocating. There's within the Netherlands, when we talk about that, you'll find out more information about that. And typically the last three letters or two letters, depending on the region, identify the amateur in question. So the last three digits are your unique, um, are unique to you. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. In Switzerland, we just get random digits. Actually, they just follow follow the alphabet. So the only way to get a two-digit or two-letter sign is to be a amateur as- association. Then you can also choose the name. There is, for example, well, for example, the, the local the local association here is HB9CF. So that's I, I don't think they chose the CF, but it's a, just a two-letter two-letter call sign or after the HB9 at least. Okay, excellent. So um, you were mentioning that there are two level of exams. So if you're from the US, you might be aware that there are three different levels. Uh, and in the UK, there's also three different levels. So in and in the, but in the Netherlands, there is only two, there's a novice and a entry level. So what, what's it like there? You mentioned there's a, a lower level and a higher level that is equivalent to the set. Yes, I think the way you explain it, it is in the, in the Netherlands, it's more or less the same thing. It's it's a novice exam where you are limited to to certain frequencies and a certain level of power. So you're not on most frequencies. You're allowed to send with 100 watts, or on some you're allowed to send with 50 watts with. Uh, the entry level or the novice exam and then there is the sept equivalent which is the hb9 exam where you can use all the frequencies and that the maximum power that is that is allowed by law in switzerland which also okay. depends on the on the frequency so the frequencies tend to be divided up and correct me if i'm on here i I am very new to amateur radio as well, and if I make any mistakes, please uh, correct me uh, in ideally by doing another show or joining us to uh, to improve this ham radio s- series. So our goal here is to try and encourage people to do the exams so that they will pass. So Benny, why didn't you just uh, you went straight and did the sept one? So the sept exam is a harmonized exam around the European Union and beyond. Um, the European region, I guess, would be a word. And what it means is that uh, it facilitates, if you wanted to come to the Netherlands, for example, you could uh, use PA forward slash HB9 HNT forward slash PP. Um, so you could still use your own call sign, but you would prefix it with the local country that you're in. And one thing I noticed about ham radio is they're very much into knowing where you are. and it struck me as odd when I started, but then um, in order to know about propagation and distance, location is a very big thing in, in ham radio. So is that kind of, a, does that give an idea of what the sept thing is? Yeah, I think that's um, a pretty good explanation. Well, at least for for the limited knowledge I have. 
I mean, I, I think it's it's a European thing, right? So it's it's basically valid in most Euro European countries and some other countries that have agreements with European countries. But you you can't just go anywhere on on the planet and use your call sign. So you have to check whether either you're in in the SEPT area or you check whether your country or the country you're traveling to allows people from your country to use your call sign. If it doesn't, exactly. then you can't use your call sign. So I'll do another show about SEPT or if somebody uh, wants to uh, ping me about doing another show or wants to submit a show about SEPT, we can do that and go into details. But for now, it's like a harmonized a harmonized exam, um, exam that says, well, if you if you've got a SEPT equivalent in Switzerland, then you can come to Ireland and you can broadcast there. And that actually allowed me to um, to get a call. If you permanently move to another country within the SEPT region, you can then um, swap your call sign. But that's that's something for another show. You bring so up you, you didn't have to take another exam, so you no, couldn't just no. swap the call. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, and you don't actually swap it. You you uh, get another call sign. So I have um, uh, got. Uh, Sorry, just one second. Yeah, actually, I've got my um, ham license in front of me to make sure that I always remember my call sign during this show. So, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually used a radio ever as such, uh, due to long, complicated reasons, which I'll go into in another show. But um, so the idea with the SEPT licenses is that you, the idea, I think, with a whole ham radio licensing. Uh, per region is that it tells other administrations the minimum level that you're at, that you're competent enough to be able to operate in that particular region. Would you agree with that statement? Well, is, is the statement that this is the goal of the SEPT license or is the statement this that the SEPT license achieves this goal because I agree with um, the fact that this is the goal of the license. But considering the exam I took, I'm not fully convinced that the exam I took showed a certain level of competence. Um, you could you could do the exam by just learning a lot of questions by heart and that's it without without knowing anything about about electronics or or radios so i my other call sign the call sign that i earned was uh, g5 ken so uh golf five kilo echo november and that's a the g is uh great britain i presume and the five series is assigned to full amateur licenses so in the uk they have um foundation intermediate and full and again there's different restrictions placed on you until you get the full license. But then that's equivalent to a PA7 in the Netherlands. And then, of course, equivalent to a HP... HP9. HP9, yes. So, but it also means that if you're going to, for example, America on, a, on an expedition or something and you want to bring your radio, even though they might not recognize your certificate, they, it, it carries... A certain amount of weight with it, so making uh, licensing easier for you, I imagine. 
And I would also say that the purpose of the licensing in general is to set a minimum level of knowledge that if you're aiming a technical talk at people that are amateur radio enthusiasts, that you know everybody should know this amount of stuff. That's that's at least what I got coming from the exam. Would you agree? You, you seem to disagree with that given the Swiss exam. Mm, I don't I don't disagree. I think if you if you put some effort into actually learning the stuff you you take the exam on, it's definitely easier to pass the exam and of course then you have a certain level of knowledge that you that you trained. So but I think it would be possible to pass the Swiss exam by just learning questions by heart or, or learning patterns of question solving by heart. Yeah. And but no, I, I don't can. think I don't think a lot of people do this. I, I think because most people who take the, the ham radio exam are genuinely interested in, in radios and, and ham radio. So I think for most people it works. So what was it? Are all the exam questions published in? Can you tell me about the exam process? So can you say, can you just tell me somebody knows nothing about amateur radio, they're living in Switzerland, where did they start? Well, let's say I, I, I pretty much did this because my... The, the main reason why I got into this is my brother told me, well, I'm, he did he did the spring, he did the novice exam. And he told me, well, I want to do the full exam. I want to do the SEP license. And I need someone to to learn with or to train with me. So would you do the license with me? So I just agreed without knowing what, it, what I got myself into. And I basically I downloaded a program which is called Ham Trainer, which is sadly a Windows software which I ran with Wine. It worked with Wine, so it's fine. But and it has a database of it's not it's not a database of the published questions, but it's a database of published questions from earlier exams. Yep. And those questions are very close to the actual questions that were asked in the exam. So very close as in they just swap numbers and, and basically the whole that the pattern you have to use to, to solve the question is exactly the same as the pattern you used in, in one of the questions you, you trained. Of course it's it's a database of like a couple of hundred or like 500, 600 questions. So it's it's a lot to learn by heart, but it can, I think it can be done. Yeah, you build up the familiarity. They, and, and that's something I found quite interesting is that it varies from location to location. Uh, in the Netherlands, for example, the exams, while being done in, in Dutch, obviously, are also, uh, the exam papers are published afterwards. Uh, so you can download every exam that has been um, asked in the past. So that's a good thing. The bad thing is you're required, and might be a bad thing for you, Benny, given your profession. Might <laughs> they don't publish the formulas that you uh, that you'd be expected to know? You need to remember them. Whereas in the UK, the uh, questions are kept secret, and they but you do get a formula sheet that you can refer to you you don't know 
it doesn't tell you what the formula is. It just gives you, here's the formula, and you need to be able to apply it. Well, I think it's... Um... I'm not sure whether this is fully correct, but because I didn't check all the sources of the documents I got from my brother. So some, I think most of them are from Swiss ham associations and not official documents from, from the state. But you do get, you do get exam questions and answers. Like it's not, I think it's not all the previous exams, but it's like a set of example questions and example answers. But it's yeah. just, it's just giving you the answer. It's mostly not giving you the, the full solution. It's just like, well, the answer is this number and that's it. And then for, for the exam, you're allowed to bring a formula book and there are, there are formula books published by different associations. In Switzerland, and if you use mm -hmm. one of those formula books, some they're not allowed to put full solutions into the book. But in my opinion, some of the f formulas they put in there are very close to to full solutions. Basically, yeah, yeah. you just you just uh, replace the letters with numbers and. That's it. You don't have to understand the thing you're doing. Well, you have to know how to type it in the calculator, but that's it. So this formula <laughs> is for this type of question. I don't know what this type of question is. Yeah, even even for questions with, with different steps of calculation, like where, where you had to... Uh, well, I don't, I don't remember. There was like a, a thing was for... Ah, uh, never mind. It was, uh, but like it required several steps of, of calculation, and they just gave every step for this exact case from from the from the example exam question, and they even did this for three different questions, which basically required the exact same formulas, but sometimes you had to transform the formula mathematically a little bit in a different way than in the other. You had to solve for, for another value than in the other question. So they gave, in the formula book, they gave both versions of the question. And then, of course, in the exam, it would be one of the two versions of the question, not a third one you wouldn't expect. Okay. Did you have, um, do you... I know we've been talking about a lot of uh, exam questions but that are related to maths, but I found that, um, uh, did you find that there were a lot of other questions about safety and about uh, um, uh, looking up the um, band plans and stuff like that? What, what was the breakdown of questions? Um, well, actually, in Switzerland, the exam has two parts. It's It's... Each part is 20 questions, but the first part is significantly shorter time-wise. And, and, and also, you don't have to calculate any, anything. The first part is just regulations and, and safe, mainly like safety regulations and, and frequencies you're, you're allowed to use or, or looking up frequencies. And the second part is more the technical part. So it's basically... it's to, it's 20 questions each for each part, but the first part, the regulations part, was only, I think, 20 or 30 minutes. And the second part was 75 minutes, I think. 
but in both cases you would never need the full time so i was i i was done with the first part in in five minutes and with the second part like in in 15 or maybe 20 minutes and i went through all the questions twice did you what did you do to prepare for your exams uh, basically, I took a laptop on holiday with at the ham radio trainer, and that's more or less all I did. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> had, I, had, I had a couple of sessions. Sorry, you didn't follow any courses. You didn't do any. Well, yeah, there, there was there is a book. Um, yeah, that's true. There is a book geared towards the German exams, but uh, the theory, the theory contained in the books is pretty much what you need for the Swiss exams. You just, you don't, you don't go through the example questions in the book because they're geared towards the German exam and are quite different from, from the Swiss question. So basically I went through some of the theory, the first, the first like half of the book, and then went on to, to learn uh, to train questions and whenever something occurred that I didn't understand and that I wanted to know more about, I, I read up on this specific topic. And then I did a few sessions with my brother, but we basically did exactly the same thing. We just went through questions we didn't understand. And then either one of us did understand the question and, and explained it to, to the other one, or we went on to look up the inform information we needed. So I'm not sure whether this is the best way to do this. It's definitely a good way to pass the exam, but maybe not the best way to gain knowledge. Yeah, I'm looking here at the um, at what the RSGB, the Radio Society of Great Britain, have uh, under their license and uh, under their um, set license. They have license con stations and radio stations so the nature of radio types of licenses and call signs you need to you're supposed to know about operators and supervision mess operators inspection close down attended and remote control operations how sept and international things work how to look for information in the license schedule uh, then there's the technical aspects in section two which is the fundamental theory information about power reactive components ac theory digital signals, transformers, tune circuits, and resonance, semiconductor devices, cell power cells and power supplies. Then section three is transmitters and receivers. So we have transmitter concepts, transmitter architectures, uh, oscillators, sorry, frequency multipliers, microphone amplifiers and modulars, RF power amplifiers, transmitter interference, receiver concepts, superhet, Hydro, super heterodyne concepts, RF amplifiers, external preamplifiers, demodulation, uh, automatic control, SDR transmitters and receivers, transceiver, and then feeders and antenna section. We have feeders, balance, types of antennas, standing waves, antenna matching units, radio propagation, key concepts, ionosphere. Sorry, uh, section five is propagation, so radio propagation, key concepts, ionosphere, PHF, and above other features. Then section six is EMC electromagnetic compatibility, uh, EMC concepts, source of interference and their effects, uh, routes of entry, filtering and remedial measures, station design, antenna placement, general principles, uh, station design, uh, 
antenna placement for mobile installations, short social aspects of testing, and then section seven is operating practices and procedures, which has good operating practices, procedures, band plans, special events, and section eight is safety, electricity, working with RF, lightning, working with mobile and portable. Section nine is measurement and construction, so measurement itself, then decibels, then components, and that's it. So how does if that's the set license in the UK, how does that compare with uh, what you have to study? Um, I would say most of the topics were covered in our license too. Maybe not the part about how ham radio is organized or or the practical part. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't get any questions about how to set up a a um antenna or how the social structure of the ham radio associations of the of Switzerland is or I wouldn't even know what to say the first time I'm I'm holding a radio because it's it's everything is very theoretical. I know yeah, all yeah. the I know all the Q codes but I I don't have when I took the exam, I didn't have a single example how to use one of the codes. I, I knew what they what they meant, but I basically didn't know how you would actually mention one of those codes on, on the radio. I mean, if this, if you, yeah, um, exactly. It is, I don't think passing the exam is sufficient to won't make you a ham. It gives you a license. Absolutely, it's, it's yes. I think it's quite similar to uh, the the analogy I have in my own head is is like an IRC channel. You don't just barge in and start talking. You sit there and lurk for a while and have a listen and then kind of introduce yourself very delicately. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you slowly yep. learn the yep. norms Absol- yep. for that Absolutely. region. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine having been a complete amateur radio virgin here now, so... I'm desperately trying to look up the set um, syllabus. I imagine it must be somewhere if, if all the other uh, amateur radio stations or, or amateur radio organizations are basing um, their minimum requirements of the interpretation of what a set license is, then it must be available somewhere. I mean, most of the, of the regulations part is... Uh... I would imagine very, very country specific because there are different regulations, and also the the safety part in in Switzerland. I, I'm not sure in other countries, but in Switzerland, the safety part was covered in regulations. So it wasn't it wasn't like if you want to put an antenna on your roof, what do you have to do to do this safely? It was more like if you put an antenna on your roof what regulations are there to make sure you do this in a safe way. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. The, the result is exactly the same thing, but it's it's not like practical knowledge. It's more like, well, this is what the law says and that's what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, taking consideration of this. Um, when I was doing my exam, they there were a few tricky questions where they were asking two things at the same time uh, about remote operation of, of and of 
remote operation was one of the things, but they coupled that in with the, so they gave the call signs of various different people and asked, was this person allowed to transmit over there? So it required understanding the call signs and it required, um, it required knowing two pieces of information that you were given, admittedly, but you needed to be able to uh, consolidate that. I'm, are the questions phrased like that or are they just quite clear you know what do you do in the bus uh you have an antenna and you want to mount it is it safe to do so or no i think i think some of some of them in this was exam are um well some of them you have to especially in the regulation section you have to read the question closely and think about what they mean that the most well, in in my in my opinion, quite picky example for this is they had a question where they said, "Well, during a connection, how often do you have to uh, transmit your call sign?" And then the two of the answers were: one was, "Well, at the beginning, and then every ten minutes," and the other answer was, "Every ten minutes." And the correct answer was every 10 minutes because the question stated during a connection and not yeah, exactly. at the beginning of a connection, right? So the, of course, the, at the beginning part is correct. At the beginning of every connection, you have to transmit your call sign. But since the question said there is already a standing connection, this wasn't the correct answer. Yeah. And that is primarily why I didn't want to do the exam in the Netherlands because my le level of them, you really do need to understand the language to a native, uh, that of a native in order to be able to pass the exam. And they say that's not a trick question. Personally, I think it is. Yeah, well, with this example question I just gave, I I think it's a trick question. It's yeah, uh, just... It's doesn't, it doesn't make sense in any other way to ask this. I mean, especially considering that one one of the other example questions was um, when you make a connection, how often do you have to transmit the call sign? And then the correct answer is at the beginning and then every 10 minutes because yeah. they just, in the question, it says you make the connection. It's not already there. So like, it's absolutely tricking people into picking the wrong answer correct and that's an important point to uh, to make about the exams that uh, at least i i felt was that it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you pass you're gonna pass if you you know you might get you might get uh you barely scrape through and then become the best amateur radio antenna maker in the entire world they the thing is just to get your license and from then on, you don't take it away. That is a question. Do they take your license away? What are the licensing requirements in Switzerland? Do you need to pay for your license? Do you need to renew it? Um, well, basically, there are two things that are different. So I have to have to look this up. What, what I've got two it basically got two papers. One is just the, the paper that says, I did the exam. And this is the one they can't take away again. So when mm -hmm. when you pass the exam, you get the paper. Well, you can you pass the exam and you can get a license whenever you like. Yep. And then 
as soon as you get this, you apply for a license and the license is valid for one year and you pay a certain amount every year. You want to keep the license. And okay. if you if you don't pay anymore, if you don't want the license anymore, you're not allowed to to use uh, the ham radio frequencies anymore, yep. but they won't give away your call sign ever. Well, I don't know what ever means. Yeah. But so if you if you like 10 years later, if you decide, well, I want to get into ham radio again, you will get your old call sign you had 10 years ago. You will get it back. And you don't need to reapply for the exam. No, that the, the exam you took is still valid. You just have to apply for another license, which you will obviously get because you passed the exam like 10 or more years ago. Okay, very good. That is actually um, another interesting point. You mentioned at the beginning that you need a license to transmit on ham frequencies. Actually, in Switzerland, you need a license to listen to ham radio. It's not well. there is no there is no exam involved. It's a license you you just get from from the authorities, but you have to get a license to be allowed to listen to ham frequencies. Ooh. How, how could they ever possibly know? I've <laughs> <laughs> got no idea. But how much I does think, that license well, cost? I'm not sure. It's not, not a lot. Not a lot. Um, but I mean, I think the main point is the main point is you're not allowed to own a device that can receive ham frequencies without this license. So uh, yes, that would I, be think, I think when you, yeah. when you buy yeah, yeah. when you buy a device, you have to prove that you have this license. Uh, Actually, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I should tell this here publicly. But a friend of mine actually bought radios. He ordered radios from China, which were which were designed to send and receive on ham frequencies. And actually, the authorities t- turned up at his door to check for his license. And he sadly, he didn't have a license, so he had to hand in the devices. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> That's, that hurt. So that it's, it def- yeah. it's definitely worth getting a license before you buy something. Also, if you, if you try to buy a secondhand device in Switzerland, you will all, the, the seller will always uh, always ask for your license because the authorities can check. What, well, he's it's basically his duty to check your license. Otherwise, he's not allowed to sell you the device, and he can be sued for selling the device to someone who doesn't have a ham radio license. license. Even even if you sell the device privately. Oh, cool! That's uh, good information to know, and that is uh, that is again here. Even though you've got. Uh, accept license doesn't mean that I can amble into uh, Switzerland, for example, and just uh, set up my rig. I need to obey whatever the laws are in Switzerland as a visitor, which means I need to read the band plans, I need to read the licenses, I need to... um, It's a lot less paperwork than if I was coming from America or somewhere, but there's still the onus upon you that not only do you need to obey the terms of your own license in the country that issued it, but you also need to obey the license terms of the country that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, main thing is not to panic. And 
the second thing is why did you get involved? Why did you want to get an amateur radio license? This is probably the first question I should have asked, but maybe by the end of this series, I'll have it down. <laughs> well, I, I basically more or less already answered this question because I never planned to get into ham radio and never um, basically wanted to do this. It was just my brother's fault. He just told me, well, I want to, someone to train with with me and I was like, well, all right, let's do it. It's basically the, the story behind this is my brother and I used to work in the same place, but then I quit and now we don't see each other as often as we did. And uh -huh. then we, then we tried to use some of the, of the radios that work in frequencies you can use freely, but he wouldn't get through to my place on those frequencies or at least with with the power that's allowed and that's another reason he told me to get into ham radio to be able to talk to him and now he can we can talk to each other on, on the radio yeah um well telephones are boring no I mean, I was also told there is this thing called the in, in, internet or internet, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, still, I think it's boring. It's, it's a lot more fun standing at the window because that's the only place I have enough reception to get to understand my brother yeah. and, and talk to my brother using crappy crappy audio and sometimes not understanding him because some interferences it's just fun yeah i uh, i think ask 100 hands why they got into ham radio and you'll have 200 answers very good what else do you well, think we should be asking in this uh, no go ahead well the other thing it's it's not a reason why i got into ham radio but it's something my brother used to convince me to get into ham radio he told me about sota which is summits on air so i'm i'm a mountain climber and i like getting on top of summits and this is basically the combination of this and ham radio so you the, it's a game where you climb a mountain and then you have to I think you have to make four connections direct connections so not over not over a repeater to different people from from the peak so then the peak counts as activated for you and you get points for for the peak so I I, I would imagine this is not something people in the Netherlands are into but it does exist cool. in long history mountain climbers <laughs> There's, uh, there's rumors that people have managed to climb 100, 200 meter <laughs> mountains over yeah. here. There, yeah, there, yeah. Was, there was a story in Switzerland about um, how hundreds of years ago, Switzerland didn't have mountains, but a lot of tulips. And the Netherlands have mountains, but Switzerland didn't want the tulips, and, and Netherlands, the Netherlands didn't want the mountains, so they just swapped. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Um, what else should we be asking in a series like this? What else would people be interested in knowing? Do you think? Mm, I think one thing that's worth mentioning you you, you mentioned it shortly in a question is that. 
even though I even though I didn't attend any courses, I just trained the questions. It might still be worth getting finding an association that offers of, offers um, preparation courses for for the exams. Maybe not not even mainly to prepare for the exam, but to get to know people and to get inside information. I mean. One of the reasons why this worked out for me that well is my brother did one of those courses for the novice exam and he got a lot of inside information and a lot of documents he shared with me. Mm-hmm. It would have been a lot harder to to do the exam with basically just training with a ham radio trainer and, and reading a book yep. because you don't get all this, this inside information. So if you want to at least in Switzerland, I, I would imagine it's the same in other countries. If you want to pass the exam in Switzerland, it's a lot easier if you get into contact with your local association or, or other local hams. Or just find exactly. a way to talk to people. And they will also have access to equipment. And they can, um, there's, at least in my license, there's the ability to have um you know, not people, new people off the street, unlicensed people to exchange greetings. So you get a feel for how a radio is set up. So part of the reason I haven't even used a radio yet is uh, because I feel I haven't done that. And I, once lockdown is over again, I'll nip over to my, uh, my Elmer, so to speak, and, uh, and have him basically uh, helped me with my uh, first contact and setting up a radio and setting up uh, setting up stuff making sure the radio any radio that I do have uh, doesn't uh, emit um, spurious on spurious frequencies and that uh, I'm following logging stuff that I need to log etc 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 so yes good advice get involved with the club good advice go to a um, uh, go to a training course if you can find one, and that yeah. actually is. Uh, sorry, go ahead over. No, I wasn't. I was just going to agree. Nothing else. Super. Uh, it's a good uh, a good overview of how we're going to continue with the series. So, uh, if you're in another country and have done the exam recently in the last, uh, I say, four to five years, um, can you get in touch with us, please, and we'll uh, use at least the experience that we've had of doing this um, interview with Benny here about um, interviewing you and finding out about your country, find out more about various different aspects of amateur radio. Because eventually what I would like to do is uh, take the SEPT license, um, the requirements of the syllabus there, if I can ever find it, and if it is available for public use, then go through each of the items and cover each of those items as a show so that you're never going to be able to get everything from HPR, even if we did all the shows, because the individual requirements in the country differ. So as you said, um, Benny, there you would need to know locally that you're not even allowed to buy a, a radio prior to having a license. That's something you need to know by attending the course, reading the local information. So that's what we're trying to get at here. There will be uh, yep. links in the show notes. Uh, Benny's already provided them to me uh, for how uh, uh, 
for what? What what have you sent me? Well, basically, those are links to most of the things I mentioned during this um, this episode. It's mm-hmm. the official links to the regulations from the authorities. It's there is a link to the to the documents containing the example questions. There is a link to the ham radio tra- trainer. This this Windows um, applications uh, application that works fine in wine. Uh, well, there is actually one, sorry, I have to mention this. There is one thing that didn't work in wine and this was fonts. So the Omega sign for, for resistance didn't work and the beta for, for transistors for, for the, what do you call it? Um, what's the English word? What do, what do transistors do? Uh, amplify has got a amplify uh, yeah. yeah so the, the yeah. rate of amplification exactly that's it yeah. um and at the beginning i wasn't able to do to answer any of the questions regarding um transistors because i just didn't know what the the black box meant there because the, the application just showed a little well the box you always get if a letter isn't contained in a font contained in a font so yeah but apart from this when i figured this out it was was easy to do very good and i think there is also a link to a this german book i mentioned which covers the theory for the german exam and there you don't have to purchase the book it basically exists online so the link the link goes to the online and i think in germany you have to know that it's somehow called level e and level a and level e is what we call novice or hb3 and level a is the hb9 so echo or, or is, the uh, is the is the novice level and alpha is the full license yes and the, the books the books are based on each other so there is no way i, I at the beginning, I tried to read the book for the SEPT exam, and it didn't work because it's based on the other book. So you have to you have to go through both books. And what else? Yeah, <coughs> yeah. I think that's about it for for the links. Yeah, with the SEPT uh, thing, they have harmonized the full level, but they have not harmonized the. Um, and the next level. So some countries only have two levels, some countries have three, and they're wanting to introduce three levels. This is my understanding that they are wanting to introduce the three levels. So the first one is done. Uh, the second one, some countries will recognize a novice in a, but by written permission. So it's not go to the website and enter your cert. It's you need to contact them and then they will they, they may on certain circumstances allow you to operate temporarily in a, in a yeah, country. Yeah. So it's no hard um, task. Yeah, I think now that you mentioned this, just something came to my mind. I think that's just something I heard. Um it's not like confirmed confirmed information, but I heard that they are going to change how the exam works by the end of this year. So whatever I told you might not be correct by the end of the year. So that's another reason why you have wow, to get into touch me? with uh, with 
local hams and and talk to them because you you never know what changes they introduce to to licensing. Yeah. Okay, Benny, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to do this, and it's a good start to the uh, to the series. Again, if you've done your amateur radio exam in the last five years, please get in touch. And even if you're busy with the process at the moment, that's absolutely fine. Please also get in touch so we can uh, ask you what it's like in your area. Anything else you want to add? No, that's fine. Thank you for for doing the show. And if you ever need if you ever need a co-host for another ham radio show, just just let me know. Cool. Uh, even fun. even if I'm unable to provide some information, I can still ask like stupid questions or something like this. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Bunny. And uh, tune in okay, tomorrow. Thank folks. you. For another exciting adventure here on Hacker Public Radio. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.